You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. The, the uh, whatever that's called, lapel. Take your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 tonight, Luke chapter number 2. And uh, let's find out who needs a fill-in-the-blank sheet. Did we miss anybody with one this evening? I see a back row. That's it. Anybody upstairs? Okay. Everybody have a pen? All right. I think we're all set. And I was thinking about, Brother Josh was talking a minute ago about the theme for the new year and how on January 8th we're going to be talking about that. And I'm very, I am very excited about the theme. But uh, I went back and looked at some of the messages I preached on, on Vision Sunday and uh, the past few years. <clears throat> and I went back to 2019, the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020, and I looked at what I preached at the beginning of 2020. Now, apparently there's something going on with our soundboard. We're still trying to figure that out. All right, so I'm going to have to just bear with that a little bit this evening. Okay, and it's gone. All right, so that wasn't too bad. But uh, I went back and I looked at what I had preached <clears throat> beginning of 2020 and, and you know, the theme for that year, focusing, you know, and having a vision and all this kind of stuff. And I just looked back and laughed because all of those great plans, two months later, COVID hit. Everything changed, you know, just the theme went out the window. I don't remember what it was. Focusing our vision, I think. Because it was 2020, like 2020 vision, you know, and probably every church used that. But uh, I, I look back at that and I just kind of laugh. So every time now I get a, a new theme, I'm like, well, how long is this going to last? You know, we're going to get the whole year. But hey, this one, this one lasted this year, the continue theme. So looking forward to uh, the next one we have here. I think it'll be a blessing to our church. Luke chapter number two. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to, I want to preach a message entitled the moving parts of the Christmas story. And I don't mean moving in the sense of, oh, that moves me. It affected my heart, you know. No, I'm talking about things are moving. And uh, so you'll see what I'm talking about here in just a second with that. In Luke chapter number 2, <clears throat> look down if you at verse 1. It came to pass in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth and Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Let's pray together tonight. Father, we ask for your help tonight upon the, bless, uh, upon the message. Pray for your blessings upon us tonight. May we receive from your word what we need. God, may, may I not get in the way of what you want to do tonight in our hearts and lives. We pray for your spirit to speak with us and, and uh, help us with some things that we may be facing in life tonight. And so we pray for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How many times have you moved in your life? A lot? A little? Some people maybe have grown up in the same house their whole life. You know, they, their parents gave it to them or whatever. But uh, I know some of you that have been in the armed forces, you've, you've moved around quite a bit. And uh, being, a, a, being a, a child of, of, of a dad who <clears throat> was contracted to the army, we moved around quite a bit. And uh, I remember on, on my 10th birthday, we got on a plane, flew to Germany, and uh, we've lived in a, a, we, a, 
moving to Illinois after that. There's college, and I got here to California. I think we've lived in four or five different places since moving to California. And, uh, and maybe some of you have moved more than that. How many of you have moved in your life more than five times? You've moved more than five times. Most people, a lot of people, and uh, probably some of you, hey, you know, 15, 20 even, I don't know, but I, I tell you, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's not very fun to me. I don't like packing up stuff. I don't like, I don't like getting the U-Haul. I don't, I, don't, I don't like all that kind of stuff. And then when you're younger, moving can be scary. Moving, moving can be intimidating. But uh, as I was reading the Christmas story and really kind of thinking, what, what does the Lord want me to teach about? I noticed the verbs in the Christmas story. And, uh, you know, and, and when you're doing Bible study and things like that, we talked about that a couple months ago, that you can look at the nouns, you can look at the verbs and things like that. And I noticed in this story something <clears throat> very interesting to me. I noticed that everybody's moving. That's on your sheet there. Everybody's moving. Now, I'll show you what I mean by that. Everybody is going somewhere. The, the whole normal order of things has changed. So, you know, let's, let's look down at some verses here. I only put one or two on your sheet, but look down at verse 1. It came to pass in those days there... <coughs> Excuse me, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. So Caesar is issuing a, de a decree, and now everybody's moving. Why? So, so first of all, people have to get this decree out. So now those people close to him are moving. Then look at verse 3. And all, all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. So now everybody's moving. Everybody has to get up from their place of safety, their place of, uh, you know, their home, wherever they were living, and they've got to go get taxed. So everybody is being shaken up a little bit. Everybody's having to move around. Look at verse 4. And Joseph also went up. And, of course, you know, we, we know he took Joseph, went with a Mary, and Mary was carrying Jesus. So now they're moving. And, and by the way, they're, they're going to Bethlehem. Bethlehem was 90 miles from Nazareth. That's a four-day walk at least. And uh, who knows with an expectant mother there how long it really did take, but 90-mile walk, eight hours a day walking is four days. That's what, that's what I've calculated through. Uh, I say me, Google calculated that, okay? But, uh, but, but, but that's a long way to be moved, to go, to go give money to the government. What if the government, you know, the, the, the decree came out <clears throat> from Caesar Biden that we had to all drive to Oregon to pay our taxes. You'd be, what? You know, that's a four-day drive if I take my time, you know, whatever. We, we, that's not that's no fun. And so now they're being, they're being jostled out of their safety, of their place of, you know, where they expected probably to give birth. Mary's nine months pregnant probably at this time because she's about to give birth, or eight, eight to nine months, I'm assuming there. And, and I'm sure they had everything set up in their house how they wanted it as far as expecting the child. But now, oh no, there's a decree and now we got to go to Nazareth. Now we got to go to Bethlehem. And so now they're moved. Look at verse seven. And she brought forth her firstborn son. Hey, Jesus moved. He moved from inside the womb to outside the womb. Everybody's moving. Verse 15. And verse 13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a mold through the heavenly host. And it came to pass, verse 15, as the angels were gone away. So now angels... Angels are given a job. Now angels are moving in <clears throat> and talking to the wise men, and angels are moving out. Everybody's doing something. Everybody's been given a new task. Everybody has something to do now. 
Verse 15 and 16 says that it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them in the heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and they hurried and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So now we have the shepherds, man, they're moving. They're going to find the baby. And then at the end of the story in verse 20, they're, they're going back and they're telling their story to others and, and they're, and, you know, to use another sense of the word moving, they're moving people with their story of, of the Christ that they saw. And uh, so everybody's doing something. Look at verse 22. When the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So now they're going to Jerusalem. They're going to the temple. And then in verse 39, just the last thing I'll say here about this, is that when they had performed all the things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Now, isn't that nice that they were done moving now? Oh, wait a second. We, if we remember Matthew chapter number 2, Herod's about to get upset, and then now the angel's going to come to them, and they're going to have to move again. They're going to go into Egypt, and they're moving again and again and again, and all this kind of stuff is happening. I have found <coughs> in my life, I don't like to be moved. I don't like to be moved. I like to choose when I move. I don't like outside external forces moving me. I like to be in control of when I do something and when I don't do something. But oftentimes in life, we don't get those luxuries. Things move us. Things move us away from what we feel is safe. But uh, I find that humans are like this. We don't, we, we don't like to shake up the normal. Uh, we, we don't like to be forced out of our comfort zone. We like the same things. We like the same chair we've had for a hundred years in our house. That recliner, you know. We have, you know, most guys in here probably have the same barber you've had, you know, for, for ages. Uh, you probably go shop with the same grocery stores. Or if you don't have a barber, you know, I don't know, but... Uh, no need for that anymore, I suppose, for some of you. But uh, <clears throat> same grocery store. You know, you probably go to the same one. I've seen Brother Barnes at Vaughn's 120 times. He's, you know, he, goes to, he goes to Vaughn's. We go to Vaughn's too. And uh, you, you, you have the same seat in church, many of you. And then when someone sits in your row, it just throws you off. And you're just, how could they? Don't they know? I pay tithes here. This is my chair. How could they? And, and, but, but we like the same thing. You probably even go to the same Taco Bell every time. Now, if you go to that one, their fryer's broken. You got to go to this one. You know how I know that? Because last night I went to Taco Bell and the fryer was broken. I had to go to another one. But anyway. <clears throat> same shaving cream, same shampoo, the same routine. Some of you get up every morning and it's the same thing. You get up, it's the same routine. You get in the bathroom, you're brushing your teeth, hopefully. You get your, uh, hopefully you have a routine with your Bible. And I know some of you, probably your coffee machine comes on automatically so you can get your quick fix for the day. And, uh, you know, get your day started off right with that addiction, which is fantastic. And, uh, you know, but, but you've got your routine down. And when things come into your life that shakes up that routine, well, you, we don't like that. We don't like that at all. The most flexible person in the world 
still doesn't like their morning routine shaken up. You know what I mean? So what I'm saying is, but, but we don't always get that decision for ourselves. My dad has worn 501 blue jeans. I think forever. 501, Levi 501s, okay? Some of you know what the 501s are. I don't, I don't know why the man likes the 501s, but I think my, he, he wears, only wears. Like, I, I, don't, I can't remember seeing my dad in anything other than 501s. Maybe when he went to church a few times, he threw on a pair of khakis and hated every second of it. But other times in my life, no matter where we went, no matter if we were in the snow, the man had on 501 blue jeans and no jacket ever. Could be, a, could be minus 10 outside. No jacket, but he had his 501s on. I think they're the same pair. I think he's had the same pair for 50 years. But, he, but I tell you, anytime there was a birthday, anytime there was Christmas and we were going to get dad something, does he have enough pairs of 501 jeans? Yeah, he did, but, but we got him some anyway. We are creatures of habit, and we don't like things upsetting the usual order. But here's the thing, and on your sheet here, God is often the one that moves us. God is often the one that gets you out of your comfort zone. Oh, boy, we don't like that, though. He's the one doing the moving. And sometimes he says move and we don't. So guess what he does? He moves us. Because he said move. And we said, but I'm comfortable. And he said, not for long. And he moves us. That's what happens in life. God moves us. Why? Well, I want to show you by the end of this that he's always got a reason. He's always got a reason. You know, we sing that song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. But we mean it like, no, I'm not doing anything I don't want to do. We don't mean I'm standing on the word of God. I'm doing what God says to do. I'm standing on the Bible. No, nothing's going to move me. No, we're saying this is my row. I'm not moving. Some of you, it's the hardest thing in the world when I ask a question where you have to raise your hand. You're like, ah, pastor, stop asking those questions. Why? We, we have a thing about us we don't like moving. Why? Why don't we like moving? I'll give you a couple reasons by, by just going quickly. I don't think this could be a long message. Let me just give you these here. Movement can bring instability. Would you write that in? <coughs> movement can bring instability. <coughs> Didn't get it all? Now I did. All right. We want stability in our lives. We want to know we can count on some things as never changing. Boy, wouldn't it be nice if we could count on something that never changed? Hmm. I think of Mary and Joseph. Probably, now, this is just me, but this is probably the origin of the first dad joke ever. Joseph looks at Mary and says, as they're giving birth to Jesus, you know, as she's giving birth to Jesus, and they're there. It's a bleak situation. He said, at least, at least he's born in a stable environment. That's first you can boo. It's okay. Boo. You can, you can do that. But it, hey, it was probably, the, Joseph said it, not me. Don't be mad at me. But it was probably the first dad joke ever at that point. But, but, you know, Jesus was born into a stable environment with his mom and dad, but there was not a lot of stability in the stable where he was. There wasn't a lot of, you know, things were still moving. 
I'm sure Mary and Joseph would have liked it much better if in their house that they had already planned and prepared for and hey, they're going to get married. All, I, I'm sure they would have enjoyed it much more if they could have picked and chose where Jesus was born when we were having children. It was nice at times to be able to choose which hospital. You don't always get a choice, and for some we didn't. But uh, it, it's, it's nice to be able to choose that. We like predictability. But God oftentimes places us in situations that are not predictable. There, I know in your life, many of you, there were things that have happened in the past three or four months you couldn't have predicted. You would have never thought it would have happened. You would have never seen it coming. And what does that do? That movement can bring instability. And it forces us to rely upon something that doesn't change. Don't you think that's why Jesus said that he is the rock? He doesn't, he doesn't move. We're moving. The culture is always moving. Churches are moving up and down. But Jesus doesn't move. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So movement can bring instability. Movement can bring insecurity. Uncertainty. It can bring anxiety sometimes, a lack of understanding of how to handle situations. I remember when God called me to preach, I was thinking, that, that made me so insecure. I was thinking, how am I going to do that? I know he's calling me, but I am so shy, and, and, and there, there's no way. It was new territory for me. I had, I had no confidence that I could do it. It was a place of insecurity. I don't like roller coasters. <clears throat> take, let me take that back. I don't like high roller coasters. If it's low to the ground, or there's like ground around you, or in case you get thrown out, you might survive, like, I can handle that. I can't handle the high stuff. I don't even like planes. Like, I'm fine on planes. I don't, I don't freak out or anything. But I, I, sometimes, you know, you look out and you see the ground, or you're going over the ocean, and you're like, well, if we hit that water, first of all, we're probably ain't going to live, but, but there's got to be sharks there. And, you know, I, I've decided I like my feet being on the ground. Why? Because I feel more secure that way. I, I, has God ever placed you in a situation where you felt a little unsafe? I, you know, I, I've been there, absolutely. But I'll tell you, there's no safer place than being exactly where God wants you to be. So sometimes being moved can bring instability or insecurity, but it also can bring intimidation, fear. You're moved out of, out of, out of your comfort zone, and now there's fear. I wonder how Mary and Joseph felt when they had to leave their home and flee to Egypt because Herod was going to kill all the babies two and under. <clears throat> was there some intimidation there, some fear maybe? I remember moving to Germany, as I mentioned earlier, when I was 10. My first real big move. And, and I tell you, I, I went to several schools while I was in Germany and, and, and many different schools. And I was intimidated. I, I was fearful. I had never had to face uh, a brand new classroom full of kids before. I was the new guy. And uh, before that, I had grown up in a Christian school, and now I'm in a public school, and now I'm in a place where I don't know anybody. And um, I knew my brother and sister, they were older than me, and they were in high school, and they didn't like me. So, I, you, know, I, you know, we had nobody. I had nobody. That was intimidating. I wonder tonight if God has been moving you. I wonder if God has been shaking the nest a little bit. Where you were comfortable, you were okay, you had your routines, <clears throat> but God has come along and said, let's shake that up a little bit. I've often found in my life that when God begins shaking things up a little bit, he's got a plan that's already in place. And there is something that's about to happen. 
God stirred me up before I became pastor. I knew something was happening. God stirred me, and, and there's been many times throughout my life where I can look at that. But I wonder tonight if you're facing a situation that's moving you, that's, that's getting you out of your comfort zone. Well, what did Mary and Joseph do just quickly tonight? I see they did a couple things. And so if we are going through a time of movement or change or some insecurity or instability, what are some things that Mary and Joseph did? Let me just tell you a couple things I see here. Number one, they allowed God to lead them. I want to be careful. I, I thought about changing that word allowed because we don't allow God, sovereign God, to do anything. He can do whatever he wants. But when God talks to us, we have a choice to obey that and move or disobey, and he moves us one way or another. And so I, I, I say here this, that, that they, they allowed God, and, and if you look at the Matthew, two, uh, Matthew 1 and 2 section, especially Matthew number 2, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 2, I should say, uh, you see in there that the angel came to Joseph four times. Four times the angel came and moved Joseph. What he first told him was, hey, you're about to divorce Mary. You need to, uh, uh, no, you need to stay with Mary. He was minded to put her away privily, okay? And, and, but he said, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to stay. And then he said, no, now you're not going to stay. You're going to go. And now you're not going to stay here. You're going to go there. And now you're not going to stay there. You're going to go here. And every time, I don't see Joseph going, well, here we go again. I don't see any of that. I see Joseph moving. He had an amazing task. He had the Messiah. And he's moving. How, how? Why did they allow God to lead them? Would you write this in? Because they trusted God's plan. Why don't you let God move you? Maybe it's because you're not trusting God's plan. <clears throat> well, if God would just tell me how it would turn out, then I'd do it. You don't, you, we don't get that. That's not how it's supposed to work. That's not faith. That's sight. And so God says, move by faith. Now, here's what's amazing about that. Each time Joseph trusted God's leading, you know what he found out? God can be trusted. And each time God came through for Joseph, it had to have made his faith grow even more. Because now he moves and he sees God came through and he goes, oh, I knew he would, but sure nice to feel it. And then God moves him again and so he's a little bit more, oh yeah, we're going to go. And then, he, and, uh, and then you get into the point where you just completely trust God. Why? Because you've proved him o'er and o'er, as the song says. That's how it is with us. Every time we follow God's leading, we find that God can be trusted. Would you write that in? Every time we follow God's leading, we find that God can be trusted. And that should grow our faith. Why doesn't it? I'll tell you why. Because we are prone to forget. That's why. A whole book of the Bible, Deuteronomy, is about don't forget. Deuteronomy, second law, that's what the word means. And, and it's basically a rehashing of what had already happened. And throughout the whole book, read chapter 8, he says over and over and over again, don't forget. Don't forget what God did for you. Don't forget. And yet, we forget because we're busy and we got stuff going on. But it should cause us to grow our faith. And, 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 and trust God that when he wants to move us again, we say, well, he came through, through for me here and here and here and here. <laughs> it may be out of my comfort zone, but he wants me to do that. 
<coughs> Maybe God's moving you to teach Sunday school. Maybe God's moving you to get on our bus ministry when we start that back up. Oh, but I'm not, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't have the capabilities. There's some insecurity there in my life. Get over it. Somebody say amen to that real quick. Make me feel better. Amen. All right, thank you. Get over it. What I'm saying is, look, if God's moving you, you might as well move because he might have to move you. So just obey that. Whatever it is God's leading you to do, we have Next Step Sunday coming up. Maybe the next step for you is, is salvation. Maybe that's never been it. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's discipleship. Maybe it's church membership. Maybe it's serving in a, in a greater capacity. Whatever it is, if God's moving you, better listen. And, and, and they allowed God to lead them. And I think that's very important. When, when God is moving you, just say yes. Trust him and let him lead you. Secondly, I see when, when, when movement is required, what did they do? They welcomed new things. They welcomed new things. <coughs> Look at verse 15, please. Came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Hey, let's go down since and, and see this new baby that's been born. I'm sure the mom won't mind. And see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So these shepherds, a, a bunch of new friends just dropped in. Isn't that great? Ladies, those of you who've had children, how would you feel? day that you're giving birth you're in the middle of nowhere stable you're not even in a hospital or even if you were would you want just a bunch of random strange sheep smelly guys walking in oh that's him that's him everybody come in everybody get in the room come on everybody in all 30 of you let's go crowd around they don't mind they don't mind come on. I mean how how would you feel I know that when my wife had children I don't think she would have wanted a bunch of visitors the first day. I, I, in fact, I think for one, it was like nobody comes the first day. And so it was like pronounced, nobody comes the first day, okay? Because that doesn't sound, you know, very, uh, very uh, uh, considerate on one end, but it was the Messiah. And, and what do we see from Joseph and Mary here? All we see is that Mary's just listening. And she's thinking. We don't see Joseph like, man, get out of here. Get out of here. Get, give us some space. No, there was a holiness. And I see that they, they, uh, they, they welcomed new things. Sometimes we don't even like to meet new people. We're in church. We're Christians. We're supposed to be reaching the world. And sometimes a new person comes to church or comes to our Sunday school class. And we're like, somebody go meet that person. So, somebody make sure they talk to that person. Because we don't want to. We have our two friends, and that's too many. Remember growing up, I was shy in the teen department, and I, uh, you know, we had a small teen department, and uh, I remember we had two new guys my age come to the teen department. I was 16, I think, at the time, 15 or 16, <coughs> excuse me, and um, I was like, man, I, I don't want new friends, but it's a, it's a small teen department. I remember the first time they were there, and I was like, I'm kind of like the big man on campus right now. You know, I don't, I don't want to meet new guys. Like, I was just kind of backwards that way. I'm not saying it was right, but I was backwards. And I remember getting to know those guys. 
teen activities, soul winning, forcing myself to be kind to them. One of them became my roommate for three years of college. Three years. Got to know him real well. Too well. I hate him. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> the other one became a great friend, and he's in ministry. They're both in ministry today. One of them is a youth pastor for Pastor Murphy in my, in my home church. And I think, you know, I'm thankful that, that I welcomed some new things in my life. There was, because it added to me. I think about Mary and Joseph, everything was new to them. They'd never had a baby, never paid taxes before that we know of, uh, never given birth in a stable, never taken their baby to the temple. And, and what did they have to do? They had to adapt to all of this happening. Just because something is new, that doesn't mean it's bad. Just because something is new, that doesn't mean it's bad. God knows who you need in your life and who needs you in their life. So maybe this year we just be a little bit more adaptable to the things that God wants to do. And when God is moving you, it, it, it means there's going to be newness in some way. So I would encourage you to welcome it. Yes, it may get you out of your comfort zone, but when movement is required, welcome new things. Number three, look at verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. What do I see Mary doing when, when movement is required? They, they listened and they thought. They listened and they thought. So often, I, this is such a, a big downfall in my mind of Christians, is that we react and we don't think. We, we, just, we, make, we make big moves and we don't take time to think or listen or do anything in that nature. When, when God is moving you, listen to his voice. And think about what he's telling you to do. I remember when, when uh, I, I had been here about five years. So that was a long time ago. And um, my, uh, I remember Pastor Smith was like, well, you told me you'd give me five years. It's been five years. He was only here three but when I was here. And he said, you've, given, you've been there five years, like you said, so you can go pastor now. And I said, well, I don't know that that's how it works, you know. But... Uh, and then my father-in-law was like, well, when are you going to start, when are you going to go pastor? And then my college president was like, when are you going to go pastor? And then other people were like, hey, uh, uh, you know, can we put your name out there to go pastor? And I told everybody the same thing. And I had so many people asking me that question. I went up to, to a youth conference one time, and the pastor put, said, can I talk to you for a minute, Eli? He took me, took me aside, and I was like, am I in trouble? I graduated here like three years ago, five years ago. You know, you, I can't be in trouble anymore. And uh, he said, hey, I was wondering, can I put your name out there to pastor? And I told everybody the same thing. I said, you know, because, and they were telling me, put your name out there. I don't even know where to put your name. What does that mean? You know, a sign on my house. What does that even mean? You know, and I said, I'm, I'm not going to put myself out there. Well, do you mind if we do? I said, you can if you want to. But I told everybody the same thing. I said, God has my phone number. God knows where I am. God knows how to get a hold of me. And I'm going to be listening for him. I didn't, I didn't and, I, and I love and respect every one of these men. I'm not criticizing in any way. But I didn't need them to show me where God's will was. God was going to do that. And all their voices were going to do is confuse me. Now, I want to be careful because counsel is important. But understand, I wasn't asking counsel because at that moment, I knew where I was supposed to be. 
and I knew where God wanted me, and I believe in counsel. And when it was time, and I was saying, I think God's shaking my nest up, I think I'm moving, I was getting counsel from the same men. But I tell you, at the time, I thought, no, this is, this is uh, uh, you know, I'm getting a lot of pressure to do this, but I am going to listen to God, and when God tells me to move, I'll move. But if I move and God didn't tell me to move, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble, and I didn't want to do that. And I thank God that, that uh, you know, other people can give me advice, but only God can move me. Before, let me just encourage you, though. Before you up and make a big decision, have you thought about it? Have you talked to God fervently about it? Have you, have you listened to the Lord? Would you write this in? Have you gotten any counsel? I do believe in counsel. And before I've made any big decision, I get counsel. Before I, you know, if there's big church decisions, if there's a situation that comes up and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm going to get counsel. I believe in counsel. Here's the thing about counsel. You have to search it out. Counsel doesn't find you. You're walking down the street, you know, whistling Christmas songs, looking at Macy's window, and then right upside the head. Counsel. That's not how it works. Counsel in, in the heart of man is like a deep, deep water. A, a wise man will draw it out. You, you have to go looking for the counsel. You have to draw it out. <coughs> Counsel's not going to find you. You've got to find it. They listened and thought. God's moving you. God's doing something in your life. Listen. Take time to stop. Be still and know that he's God. Say, okay, God, you got my attention. You're moving me somewhere. Could be moving your heart about giving something. Could be moving your heart about serving in some way. Could be moving your heart about anything. Reaching out to somebody or, or, or making cookies for that person that's been shut in. Whatever it may be. You got to stop and listen and think, okay, Lord, I'm in tune. What do you want? What do you want for me? I'm ready. Then lastly, what did they do? They did the next right thing. They did the next right thing. God's moving me. What do I do? You do the next right thing. Look at verse 21 through 24, and we'll close in just a second here. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written, in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is paid in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Notice that the first thing they did after this was go to church. I think that's significant. God's moving them. Now they're going from Bethlehem. Now they're going to Jerusalem. What are they doing? They're going to church. They're, they're, they're doing something they knew they were supposed to do. Yes, they had been moved away from their home. Yes, they had to give birth in a manger. Yes, things were a little bleak for them, and they didn't have much money, and they had to give a, 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 a sacrifice that was less than what, what was required, what they could give it because they didn't have the money. Yes, all that happened, yes. But they still had to do the right thing. They still had to do the next right thing. The next right thing for them was to take the child to church, to the temple, and have him circumcised on the eighth day. That was the next thing they were supposed to do. Then they were supposed to offer their sacrifice. That was the next thing they were supposed to do. What are they doing? They're just doing the next right thing. God's moving me. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Do the next right thing. 
I don't know what I'm supposed to do tomorrow. Get up and read your Bible. That's the next right thing. Get up and pray. That's the next right thing. Be in church. That's the next right thing. Give. That's the next right thing. So whatever the next right thing is, do it. God's moving me, and I don't know what's going on. I feel God working in my heart. I feel God doing this. God's shaking the nest here. I'm out of my comfort zone. Take the next right step. And then what do you do after that? You do the next right one, and God will lead you. Because if you start taking missteps, you're going to be out of alignment with where God wants you to be. Take the steps. I love it that God sent Simeon and Anna to them. What a blessing they were to this couple And uh, after that. God moved them, but he had a reason. And here's the thing about trusting God that we talked about at the beginning, and, and, and we're closing here. God had a reason for them, even if they didn't know it. We don't know what Mary and Joseph knew. Mary, did you know? Mary didn't know everything. Why are we asking Mary so many questions, right? But, but what I'm saying is it, it, she didn't know everything. How could she at 16 know every prophecy of Christ? When the wise men were still kind of like, wait, where is he going to be born? Oh, yeah, that it says in Ephrata, in Bethlehem. And I'm, I doubt she knew the whole Old Testament scriptures uh, as well as some of the wise men of those days. But even if they didn't see it, Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. Did you write that in? He had to be born there. I don't know if Mary knew that. I don't know if Joseph knew that. Because that was an Old Testament prophecy And we don't know if they knew that. All they knew was that God moved them and they had to go to Bethlehem to pay their taxes. Oh, the government's saying we got to go, so we're going to abide by the government, so we're going to go. But God, she's nine months pregnant, but we got to go, so we're going. So they went. And maybe they didn't understand God's plan. Maybe they didn't know that that he had to be born there to fulfill prophecy. That God had already ordained that and worked that out. Maybe they felt like him being born in Bethlehem was unfortunate. Maybe they felt like it was unlucky timing. I don't know, but but God had a plan. And I wonder tonight if God's moving you around and he's moving you out of your comfort zone. Are you taking time to realize that God's got a plan? Last thing on your sheet here. You may not see why God is bringing movement into your life, but trust that he has a plan. What steps are you going to take as God is beginning to move you? As God may be stirring up the nest. God might be working on your heart. God might be moving you in some way, shape, or form, and it's not comfortable. What do you do? Well, I'd say, first of all, let him lead you. Let him move you. Welcome the new things. Because for some reason, he wants you there. There may be somebody that needs the gospel at that new job. There may be somebody that that he needs you to uh, uh, come alongside of and help disciple. Whatever it is, you welcome the new things. Welcome the new people in life. Take time to listen and think before you do anything big. Listen to God. Pray. And then just do the next right thing. God has a plan. Let's trust him. Father, thank you for tonight and the word of God and